As we do embark on a new school year, as we think about our ministry to children and our ministry to the next generation, I want to talk this morning about the priority the priority of raising up the next generation, not just the the priority of Westminster Academy raising up the next generation, and not just the priority of Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church raising up the next generation, but I want to talk about historically the people of God. Why have the people of God throughout the ages been so motivated and convinced that this was such a high priority? As I shared with the uh, faculty and staff on Wednesday that at Westminster Academy that investing in the next generation, particularly in the area of education, has always been a priority for God's people. If you go to the ancient ruins in Israel, attached to every synagogue is what? A school, a school of learning. When you think about our faith, Constantly we are being reminded by passages like love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your mind, and your soul. Paul says be transformed by the renewing of your mind. God's people were always convinced that one of our missions, one of our priorities is to raise up the next generation through investing in them spiritually and intellectually. God's people have always been concerned with raising up the next generation of kingdom citizens. You think about the founding of this country in 1648 as they founded the Massachusetts Bay Colony. One of the first institutions they built was Harvard. Yes, believe it or not, Harvard was a Christian institution at one time, raising up young men and women to love the Lord with all their heart, mind, and soul. By the time of the Civil War, 3,000 colleges had been established in America. Three quarters of them founded and established by the church. This has been historically something we have always invested in as a priority. And as I remind my staff here at Coral Ridge all the time, that between the church and the school, that we have thousands of children, that we have the opportunity to invest in every single day on this campus. And this morning, I want to briefly talk about that priority and why it should be a priority, not just for this church as an institution, but for you, if you call yourself a member or regular attender of Coleridge, it should be a priority for you as well. Now, typically in messages like this, most of you might tune out. Maybe you've never had children or maybe you're an empty nester and you say, this message is not for me. And I say, not so fast. Because if you call Coleridge your home, you have more children here at this church and school than you know what to do with. And you have an opportunity, regardless of what stage of life you're in, is to invest in this next generation. It's not enough just to complain about our cultural situation, but it's time we do something about it. And we will never see gospel renewal in our day if it doesn't begin with this next generation. I want us to look at a passage in Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16, where Jesus encounters the next generation and how Jesus responds to the next generation and to these little ones has to be the way that we respond as well as a people. Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16. This is the very word of God. And they were bringing... 
children to Jesus that he might touch them. And the disciples rebuked him, rebuked them. But when Jesus saw it, he was indignant and said to them, let the little children come to me and don't hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. And he took them in his arms and he blessed them, laying his hands upon them. And the grass withers and the flower fades. For the word of our Lord, it stands forever. Amen. The highest priority for any parent, grandparent, or church must be to bring our children to Jesus. The highest priority for us must be to see the next generation love Jesus and to make Jesus known, to love Jesus with all their heart, mind, and soul, and to raise up the next generation of kingdom citizens on earth as it is in heaven. If you haven't noticed lately, the stats aren't too favorable for this next generation. If you've been attending Coral Ridge for any period of time, you've heard the stats. The, the amount of children, children being raised in the church that eventually walk away from the faith. There is a battle, not only for the minds, but for the souls of this next generation. And the reason here at Coral Ridge, we make the next generation a priority is because as we see here in Mark chapter 10, Jesus makes it a priority. Bring them to me and hinder them not. So what can we learn about the priority of raising up the next generation here in Mark chapter 10? The first thing and foundational to understanding the priority is to understand, number one, that Jesus here in this passage gives children tremendous worth and value. In verse 13 and 14, we see this exchange. It says they. We don't know if it's moms. We don't know if it's dads, moms and dads. They, more than likely parents, are bringing their children to Jesus for a word, a word of blessing. And the disciples see this and they rebuke the parents. This word rebuke is the same word that is used when Jesus rebukes the demons. So think about the harsh reality. Here are moms and dads bringing their children to the feet of Jesus and the disciples rebuke them. Why? Jesus has no time for this. This is Jesus, the Son of God. This is Jesus who has come to usher in the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. He has no time for these children. So you have to understand the cultural context. In the Hellenistic culture that existed in this day, children had zero value. There was no inherent worth. A father, if he, had no, if he had no use for his child, had the legal right to either discard him or to put him to death. Children had no worth, no value. And so when the disciples see parents bringing Jesus to the feet of Jesus, their children, they rebuke them and say, get away. They're not worthy. These would be the, the people we have in our society that say children should be seen and not heard. That was the disciples. 
get them out of here. But how does Jesus respond? The way Jesus respond shows children and shows the world, the watching world at that time, the inherent worth and value that Jesus has and the kingdom of God has for this next generation. Jesus turns around and rebukes the disciples. It says in verse 14 that Jesus was indignant. This word means that he grew irate, that he was furious at his disciples. And what does he say? Hinder them not and bring them unto me. Do not hinder them for such belongs the kingdom of God. And it says in verse 16 that Jesus takes them in his arms, the tender touch of the Savior. Well, this sent shockwaves into the community and throughout the world. Up until this time, no man that was distinguished like Jesus, no religious man would ever dare not only to receive a child in public, but to hold them in his arms. This changed the world. I was uh, recently reading an article about the movement of Christianity. How did this obscure Galilean by the name of Jesus and about a hundred followers turn this world upside down? Well, the author lists about five reasons. One of them, the way Christianity brought worth and value to every child because they were created in the image of God. It was a culture-shaping moment for Jesus to stoop down and to take these children into his arms. The ancient culture had no regard for children, but then Jesus comes onto the scene and says, do not hinder, and it changes the world. And if you're here today, like the disciples, and you're one of those people that say children should be seen or not heard, or maybe even worse, say children just kind of get on your nerves, Well, you don't need to reconcile with me. You need to reconcile with Jesus because Jesus says the next generation, they have the highest value in my economy and in the kingdom of God. And can I just say a special word to moms? Because I have a mom at home of two little ones. I know for some moms, you shriek when your child maybe shouts or cries or maybe runs around after the service. And I just want to say, as your pastor, I absolutely love it. I love to hear the cries of babies. I love to see children in this sanctuary and through our church say, this is home for me. And so I want you to know, at Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church, you and your family are more than welcome. We love it and we embrace it because like Jesus, we want this to be our high priority. Jesus gives them worth, and so should we. Secondly, not only does Jesus here in this passage give children and the next generation worth and value, but he also gives us a mandate. What's the mandate? The mandate is in verse 14, after he becomes indignant, he says, bring them to me and do not hinder them. The mandate to the disciples and the mandate to Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church is do not do anything to hinder the next generation from coming to Jesus. And I want to ask you a question this morning. What are you practically doing in your life today in order to not hinder the next generation from coming to Jesus? Parents and grandparents, are you reading and teaching God's word to your children 
Are you reading God's word and modeling it for them in such a way that we live out that Deuteronomy 6 reality that we're teaching our kids not only what God's word is, but we're challenging them and encouraging them to love God's word and live out God's word, that our faith should not just be personal and private, but it should be public, that it influences every aspect of my life. Grandparents, before you buy that annual pass, can I challenge you maybe take that investment and invest in Christian education for your grandchild to make an infinite, eternal investment in your child and your grandchild's life? What are we doing to invest so that no child, the next generation is not hindered from coming to Jesus? As I've said already this morning, for some of you maybe have never had children or maybe you're an empty nester and you go, this message is so far beyond me. We've moved on in life. We're, in the, we're at the end of our life. or enjoying retirement, enjoying the empty nest. I say, no, you don't have that privilege or that freedom. Once again, if Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church is your home, it is your priority to invest in the next generation. You know what I would love to hear tomorrow morning? That our admissions department at Westminster Academy, their phone is ringing off the hook tomorrow because somebody came up and said, you know, I have a radical idea. I don't have children at Westminster Academy, but I want to sponsor a child for a year. What's it going to take? I want to hear from Caleb Corneef, our youth pastor, that somebody called and said, one of those mission trips you go on, I want to sponsor a child. I want to hear from Lauren and Kim, our children's directors, said my phone was ringing off the hook this week with volunteers and help and support and said, what do you need to invest in this next generation so we don't lose them? I want to hear Sarah Mauber, our director of outreach, say this evangelism explosion program, how do we bring it to our little ones? I want to teach every child in our church and at our school how to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's our calling. That's our mandate. For the young adults in our community, there are successful men and women in our church family that have an opportunity to invest in young adults in our church and say, I wanna, I wanna take you out to lunch once a month and I wanna show you how you can be excellent at business but also be a man and woman of integrity. What an opportunity we have. Do not hinder them from coming to the kingdom of God. Jesus gives them worth and he gives his church and his people a mandate. But lastly, he gives us a model. You see, why is this important? Because Jesus says these children serve as a model and an example to you about how you enter the kingdom of heaven. Look what it says in verse 15. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God, how? Like a competent adult? Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter in. Jesus says, not that fast. Don't get rid of them. They serve as your model. You want to know how to meet Jesus? You want to know how to enter in the kingdom of God? Watch these little ones. Why? Because just as a child is utterly dependent upon their mother or father, so too, we are dependent upon the unmerited, undeserved, unconditional grace of God alone. 
We do not bring anything other than our sin and our need to the foot of the cross of Jesus Christ. And so the reason children are a priority is because they serve as our greatest example. Just as they are utterly dependent and helpless, so are we. We don't bring our strength or our intellect or our education or our social capital or our influence or our affluence into the kingdom of God. We bring our needy selves and say, Jesus, save me. Just as you rescue these little children, you need to rescue me. You see, the reality is you can be too big to get into heaven but you can't be too small. You can be so full of yourself. Jesus says it's harder for a rich man to get into heaven than it is to get for a camel to get into the eye of a needle. You can be too big, but you can't be too small. So cling to Jesus. And as the little children serving as a model of our salvation, helpless and needy. What does Jesus do to the children? It says in verse 16 that he not only holds them, but he blesses them. Blessing all throughout the Old and New Testament is the opposite of curse. What Jesus is announcing to the children and ultimately to us is that through Jesus and Jesus alone, The curse is being lifted. The curse that entered into the world in Genesis chapter 3 is being lifted by Jesus Christ. And so whether you are 3 or 83 this morning, come to Jesus as a child and experience the Father love of God and be held in his arms maybe for the very first time and hear a word of blessing and not a word of curse and condemnation. A pastor was lamenting regarding his 15-year-old daughter. His 15-year-old daughter had gone off the rails and the pastor was rather embarrassed. Here I'm the pastor of the church and my 15-year-old daughter doesn't come to church. My 15-year-old daughter's walked away from the faith. My 15-year-old daughter uh, just continues to lie and steal and cheat and he was lamenting and and he and his wife grew bitter over the way that his 15-year-old daughter continued to manipulate them over and over and over again. But this is what the pastor said one night after reflecting regarding his prodigal daughter. This is what he said. I remember standing before the plate glass window in my living room, staring out into the darkness, waiting for her to come home. I felt such rage. I was furious at my daughter for the way she would manipulate us and and twist the knife to hurt us. And yet I must tell you, when my daughter came home that night, or rather the next morning, I wanted nothing in the world so much as to take her in my arms, to love her, to tell her I wanted the best for her. I was a love-sick father. Brothers and sisters, that is your God. Now you say, Pastor, that is quite a stretch to compare God to a lovesick father. I didn't create the analogy. Jesus did. In the story of the prodigal son. Because Jesus says, your father, God, is like a father whose son runs off. And when he returns home, he runs. And he runs like a fool. Because he is a lovesick father. 
after his lost prodigal. Remember I said at the beginning that whether you realize it or not, this message is for you. It's because whether you are three or 83, you come into the kingdom of heaven one way as a child. And until you have experienced the tender love of the lovesick father and experience his blessing upon your life, you'll never get it. You'll never get this ministry to the next generation. You'll never get our priority that we place on children because you yourself have never seen yourself as a child who was lost but now found until you experience being blessed and held like his baby boy or his baby girl. Listen to me. If you have never experienced the Father love of God, today is the day. Whether you're in elementary school, middle school, high school, or you're retired, maybe you're towards the end of your life and you just say, this isn't for me. I say, today's the day. You can be like a child, helpless and dependent, and run into the arms of God. He's waiting there for you. As the father longs for the prodigal son and daughter to come home. Today is your day. Would you embrace the Father through Jesus Christ? And I invite you to experience the love of God the Father, a Father who is crazy, crazy about his little girl and about his little boy. A church that goes out from this place and announces to this next generation that this church, this church is for you because it's going to give you your only hope in life and death. So let's live it out and let's rest in Jesus Christ and point the world and this next generation to the only hope that there is, Jesus the Christ, and point this next generation, the smallest to the oldest, to the one who hung on the cross, so that we together as a church may be able to sing that great hymn, which says this, Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong, for we are mighty and strong. No, for we are weak, but he is strong. Let's point the next generation to him. Let's turn this next generation into a generation that loves Jesus more than anything else.